This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. If today you pitched me the idea of the U.S. Postal Service, there would be no way you could convince me that it could actually work. I mean, it's not perfect as it is, but the fact that you can put a 49-cent sticker on an envelope and have someone deliver it across the country in two days is amazing. Just take a second to imagine all the systems that have to work together to pull that off. So let's stipulate postal services around the world are pretty great. But with any complex design system, there are failures that occur. Mail that never makes it to its destination and can't be returned to the sender. And it's into this rabbit hole that producer Samara Freemark fell when she began searching for all the lost mail. Once upon a time, I lost something in the mail. Maybe this has happened to you. It probably has happened to you. But what makes my story different is that I went looking for what I lost. So you didn't come here. And the place I ended up was so strange, so dreamlike. Something inside the box moving. But let me back up a bit. It was 2007. August. I was moving from Minnesota to Michigan to start grad school. I packed whatever couldn't fit into my station wagon into three cardboard boxes and shipped them parcel rate, books mostly. The first box arrived at the leisurely pace the books shipped parcel rate usually do. And then I waited for weeks. The second box never showed, though when I say that it never showed, I mean that most of the box never showed. A piece of it eventually did arrive. It came in a large envelope, a neat rectangle of cardboard, the box top where I had written my address. Someone had taken a razor and very carefully sliced it off the box. An enclosed note on Postal Service letterhead informed me that my address label had become detached from my box. And so I was thrilled when I came home one day, months later, and found my third box waiting for me on my doorstep. My lost box was here. But something about the box was different. It had been torn apart and then lashed back together with plastic zip ties. When I cut it open, the cookbooks I had carefully packed were in disarray. My four-inch thick hardcover Joy of Cooking had been torn apart down the spine, like a weightlifter had used it for some feat of strength. The two halves were sandwiched around a cookbook I had never seen before, someone else's copy of Sophia Loren's Recipes and Memories. Sophia leered at me from the cover. Her cleavage was distracting. I was perplexed. I told my mother about it. Oh, yes, she said. That's happened to me, too. She had shipped a box of books home from Europe, and when she opened it, this this box box was was filled with other people's things, things, all from from different countries. countries. It had a Bible that was in Russian, a magazine from, I think, Germany. It had some candy from the Netherlands. So it was like everyone's European vacation was in your box? Well, I I was just astounded. My friend Helen had mailed some boxes, and she had a story, too. When I got the boxes open, they looked like they had been put in a washing machine and then dried, like the boxes were so mutilated. And when I opened them, the box with all the food magazines... Half of the issues were taken out. The rest of the boxes were all cookbook boxes, all like vintage cookbooks. 
And in place of that, they had put all of these Southern home, Southern home living, whatever, cookbooks from the 1980s in the boxes, (laughs) deviled eggs on the cover, as though that was like a reparation for my loss. Helen and my mom shrugged this off and they let things go. But it nagged at me. Who was reading my books? Whose copy of Recipes and Memories was guiding me through tiramisu? And just who had switched them? Now, if you ask enough questions like that, you'll find yourself in Atlanta on a day so hot the pavement shimmers, driving past the Coca-Cola Museum, past the world's largest aquarium, past the CNN headquarters, and finally turning down a service road and pulling up in front of a nondescript suburban warehouse directly across from Six Flags Amusement Park. The Mail Recovery Center where lost mail goes to be sorted, processed, and sent back to its rightful owner, or barring that, it's sold off. I walked up to the door of the warehouse and opened it on iPod and accessories, opening bid, $500. An auction. Six, seven, eight, nine, solar paddle 151. 200 people lined up in folding chairs, waving paddles in the air. There's no live ammo, there's no live weapons. And in the back, bins upon bins, hundreds of bins of lost mail. Everything that Americans have ever stuffed into a mailbox and never seen again, all sorted by type. Bins of pillows, bins of tennis rackets, bins of coffee makers, bins of stuffed animals, computers, Bibles, electric guitars, bins of stuff you can't imagine anyone ever thought it was a good idea to mail. Bins of stuff you didn't know it was possible to mail, like tractor-trailer tires. And all these bins being auctioned off by officials of the U.S. Postal Service. A middle-aged man sporting faded jeans, a sweat-stained baseball cap, and a handlebar mustache came up behind me, jabbing at an auction list. He was a buyer. My name's Ricky. And he was here with his wife, Cindy. I mean, they've got some stuff in here that's irreplaceable, like they got some vintage stuff in here from the 40s and the 50s. They've got one in there that's got a, a Life magazine with John F. Kennedy on it. Now, how much is that worth to somebody? If it, To you, it wouldn't be worth nothing. To me, I can remember the day he got killed, you know. He's so. got the buttons, uh, Kennedy for president, some and of those in I can remember the elections. So, you know, it's just according to who you are and how much it's worth to you. You've got uh, apparel accessories, clothes, starting bid, $500. Cameras and accessories, starting bid, $2,000. Ethnic items, $500. What do you think an ethnic item is? I don't know. So what do you do with all this stuff? I want to resell everything we get. That's what this thing's about. There'll be people <laughs> sitting out in their parking lot on eBay before they leave here. You're kidding. Like I'm in not their kidding. cars. In their cars. They've got buyers waiting. Ricky and Cindy were hoping to get lucky today, as lucky as they got once, almost a decade ago, right after September 11th. We've got a whole tote of American flags. You could not buy American flag nowhere in the United States. Everything was gone. We ended up with American flag pins, American flags, everything. Earrings. Earrings. We had five boxes of McDonald's little arches with American flag on it. McDonald's didn't even have them. So we, we... We'll come out smelling like a rose on that one. And just then, Gordon Clement swept out from behind the wheel of a baby blue 1960 Cadillac. Heads turned. People whispered. 
Mr. Gordon was Male Recovery Center royalty. He was 80 years old, with a pink face, white hair, bright blue eyes. I swear he even twinkled. He didn't seem surprised when he saw my microphone. It was almost like he was expecting me. Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Is that where you're from? Yeah. You come all the way down here from Brooklyn, well, New York? Sort of. I was on, I've been on a road trip for the past month. Oh. So, so you didn't come here specifically to find out about the pot? Wait, the pot? Yeah, I was on Jay, Jay Leno's uh, last Tuesday night. Of course he was. Mr. Gordon had been buying stuff here for 10 years. He'd take his bins home, unpack them, and resell the contents. At the last Mail Recovery Center auction, he had bought a bin of paintings. One of them was especially pretty, an orchid in a vase. He tried to resell it at a different auction for $25, but no one was biting. So they put it back on my truck. And as they put it back on the truck, they tipped it and felt something inside the box moving. The frame was a box itself. So one of the guys helping me took a screwdriver and took the back off of it. And inside was $5,000 worth of marijuana. Mr. Gordon and I sat and thought about what kind of person would send $5,000 worth of pot through the mail and how that person must have felt when they heard about Mr. Gordon on Lino, and whether they filed a claim for the painting, or whether they were just relieved that the post office had lost it so absolutely that it couldn't be traced back to its original sender. And then Mr. Gordon headed to the floor to bid. But first, he looked deep into my eyes, and he sang me a song for luck. Solamente una vez. In addition to being a male recovery center celebrity, he also sings mariachi at a restaurant in Alpharetta, Georgia. You belong to my heart now and forever. And into this reverie walked Lionel Snow, the director of the center, and Michael Miles, postal service representative who escorted me out the door told me I was violating Postal Service policy. Can you just tell me why? Sure. Mm-hmm. Postal policy. This is postal policy. Yeah, but why? Hmm? Do you know why? <laughs> Wait, so I have, to be, I have to be like 50 feet from the center? And led me across the parking lot. Here's what we would, we would clearly be prepared to talk to you about. I thought you were going to walk around in here, kind of get the lay of the land, see what's what, but however, whatever kind of documentation that you're trying to do inside, that's where we run into a problem. Okay. Is it a security issue? Is it's, that it's security. It's a, that's, that's among other issues, but yes, security certainly is one of them. Is it because of, you know, people's stuff is in there and they don't want to document? Not only that. That's, that's not the, the critical issue. The critical issue. I mean, the critical I issue is something I don't won't be discussing. I mean, there's things that have been there from the early 50s. There's body parts, possibly, ashes and stuff that's been there for years. We would like to get things back to customers, everything. But uh, there's some that we're unable to. This sounded, well, to be honest, it sounded troubling. Because if the Postal Service could accidentally sell $5,000 worth of marijuana to Gordon Clement, didn't that mean that they could accidentally auction off those human remains? Um. Ashes, yeah. Said a small woman in acid-washed jeans with frazzled hair, standing behind me. Her name was Jill. 
One lady I know bought dishes and it had gray powder all over it. And when she finished unloading her dishes, there was a, all the paraphernalia for somebody's, you know, memorial. It was actually somebody's ashes. So that was funny. Wait, it was, it was someone's ashes? Yes. On her so, plates? Yes, all over because it was in the bottom. I wandered around the back of the building where postal officials were unloading bins with a forklift. Auction winners were queued up waiting to collect their purchases. One buyer was hanging to the side. Oh What's your name? Um... My name is John Smith. I'm pretty sure that wasn't actually his real name. <laughs> Great. John came to the auction a lot, he said, and he specialized in buying books. He might have bought my books once upon a time, jumbled up with thousands of others. He sympathized with my loss. He knew what it felt like, he said. It had happened to him. Yeah, let me tell you a really funny story. We shipped a case of books one time to us. We bought books. And um, we got the same box taped up. It looked like it had been through, the, through a tornado. And inside it was a bunch of screwdrivers and pliers. There was tools inside the same box. Nothing was said. Just, here you go, here's your package. And they just replaced it with the same weight, I guess, with screwdrivers and hammers and stuff. But my books were gone. Did you ask them what happened to it? They just, what, I don't know, got lost in the mail, I guess. Poor man can't buy nothing in there today. The auction was still going on inside, but Ricky and Cindy, that couple who had bought that bin of American flags back in the day, they were leaving empty-handed. People's crazy. It must be the rich people today. (laughs) No, people haven't got no sense in there today. Some woman paid $50 for a box of VHS tapes. What do you do with VHS tapes? I thought people was having money problems. I mean... Not here. (laughs) There's nobody here got money problems today. I'm leaving. I mean, there ain't nothing I can touch that I wanted. So, I'm going back home. We're going to go find lunch. First of all, we're going, yeah, we're going to go find lunch, then we're going home. I watched Ricky and Cindy drive away. I was hot, sweaty, almost in a daze, longing for home. But before I left, I turned and stood for a moment, and I watched the river of other people's things pouring out of the loading docks and into trucks and moving vans. Those clothes you shipped home from college and never saw again. That fancy perfume your grandmother swore up and down she sent you for your birthday. The model Eiffel Tower that your dad says he airmailed you from Paris. Your complete set of Southern Living cookbooks. The ones with the deviled eggs on the cover. All those things that you thought were lost forever, they're all here. They're all in Atlanta, across from Six Flags Amusement Park. And they're all going home with someone else and then there was nothing left to do but get in my car and drive home and when I got home I made eggplant parmesan you can find a good recipe for it on page 153 of Sophia Loren's recipes and memories 99% Invisible was produced this week by Samara Freemark originally for the KCRW program Unfictional and we found out about it via the Third Coast International Audio Festival Samara now works for American Radio Works. You can find her on Twitter at sfreemark. That's S-F-R-E-E-M-A-R-K. 99% Invisible is Sam Greenspan, Kurt Colstead, Katie Mingle, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 KALW San Francisco and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, an architecture and interiors firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. Support for 99% Invisible comes from Blue Apron. 
Blue Apron is the new service that delivers all the ingredients you need to make incredible meals at home. Farm fresh ingredients are perfectly portioned and come with an easy to follow recipe card so you can create a delicious meal in 35 minutes or less. You'll cook meals like hanger steak with cream spinach and sweet potato and fontina pizza with apple and arugula salad. I am too hungry to be reading this copy right now. Discover a better way to cook. Visit blueapron.com slash 99pi to get your first two meals free. That's blueapron.com slash 99pi. Support is also provided by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. They offer an obsessively engineered mattress. We've had ours for well over 100 days, and at no point did I consider sending it back. I traveled a lot this summer with the family, and we all slept on horrible beds, and I could not wait to sleep on my Casper again. They have a risk-free trial and return policy, so try sleeping on a mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. The mattresses are made in America, and pricing is just $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. 99% of visible listeners can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com 99pi and using the promo code 99pi at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And it is my great privilege to say that we have been supported by Tiny Letter longer than any other sponsor. Email for people with something to say. Around four years ago, for the first time, I asked Maslow what his Tiny Letter would be about. My favorite thing to talk about is robots and Iron Man suits and stuff. Robots and Iron Man suits and stuff, which would still be a killer Tiny Letter. And today, here's what he had to say. My newsletter would be about Legos, awesome stuff, Iron Man, robots, and a bunch more awesome stuff. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter. From the great people behind MailChimp, who is still supporting the show, so don't fret. We'll keep trying to do cool things and encourage you to listen all the way to the end. And if it makes sense, we'll still hear from the boys from time to time. Thanks to MailChimp, The Night Foundation, and generous donors just like you, we created Radiotopia from PRX. And it's a good thing we did because it's award season in Radioland, and Radiotopia is cleaning up. The Heart won a prestigious Prietalia Award for new radio format for their piece, Movies in Your Head. I know of, uh, I think, one other person who's won a Prietalia. It's so cool. And three Radiotopians are winners at the Third Coast International Audio Festival this year. Criminal Love and Radio and us, 99PI, got one for structural integrity. Three of nine awards went to Radiotopians. We couldn't be prouder. To find out what you've been missing, go to radiotopia.fm. You can find this show and like the show on Facebook. We're all on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify. And you can listen to every single episode of 99% Invisible and see pictures that go along with all the stories at 99pi.org. Radiotopia.